0: Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. As we continue Seven Tiny Things today learning, you know my penchant for quotes, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest, Ben Franklin. Change is the end result of all learning, Leo Bascalia. Not just a pursuit of knowledge, but change is the end result of all learning. I like that. Education is a passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Mr. Malcolm X. The roots of education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you will live forever." Mr. Gandhi. That's worth the price of admission right there. Love that. Education is what remains after one has forgotten what one has learned in school. But what does Albert know? The more that you read, the more things you will know, the more that you learn, the more places you will go. Not only is it profound, it rhymes. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Experts say that there are as many seven different learning styles, but it is easier to narrow it down to three types of learning. I saw three types. I thought of three points. I copied this from somebody else, but I didn't want to go through seven. Listening learners, seeing learners, and touch Experienced learners, do you want examples? I got them. Listening learners, for example, hearing a parent say, hypothetically, do not touch the stove. And if you're a listener, you don't do it. Seeing learners watch their brother touch the stove and never touched it. Now, I don't know why they picked a boy other than the data would indicate they're more likely to just check it out. And experienced learners touch the stove, but only once. So that's how different people learn differently. I have three points. Point number one is learn about yourself. The unexamined life is not worth living, said the smart Socrates. And I was gonna be a psychologist, I was gonna do psychotherapy for a living until I took a fork in the road and ended up in seminary. Pastor Roger, one of my dear friends here, he's a visitation pastor, he recommended this book to me four years ago. I thought it was a bit odd. When someone says, Here, you should read this, everybody's normal to you, get to know them. Thank you, buddy. But I've read most of it, it's phenomenal because he's a person of faith, but he also has wise knowledge of psychotherapy and family systems, and the idea is, and I really think you should read this because it seriously changes your life when you realize that everybody is not messed up, but everybody's messy. Everybody's a sinner. Do things that are wrong, and you see yourselves many times not in the right light. Everybody's normal till you get to know them. My clicker's not working, please help me out. And so I would ask you to think about this week, to know thyself, what makes yourself tick, what adds life and vitality to your life. Then find the time to do it. I want you to think about knowing yourself. I don't know how many times people actually think about themselves. Most of the time, it's convenient to think about other people and how they should get their ducks in a row and how their life would be better and it'd be better to live with them if they got all their things together. But everybody's normal until you get to know them and look in the mirror. I've done this long enough to know that when people, their life unravels or their marriage unravels or their family unravels or their career unravels unravels and when they start talking about it the first thing somebody who's really good will talk about is describe yourself what do you know about yourself what makes you tick and many times at least in my presence people have said I think I got lost when I stopped being true to myself and to be true to yourself you have to know thyself Some people have the wonderful luxury of having their job be their passion, but there are other people that actually just have a skill for which they get well compensated, or it's too late to do something else, and they don't have something that fills up their cup. But it also seems as mundane that if you like to craft, then craft. If you like to put scrapbooks together, do it. You hear people all the time, or will say, I love to do it, but I don't have the time. Make the time. But you got to know yourself. Believe in thyself. Internal validation is golden. External validation is shiny, but at best it's silver or bronze. At its worst, it's fool's gold. If you're in a public sphere, Boy, oh boy, at some point, you got to get it figured out whether or not you're good enough because if you're looking all over the place for people to validate, it all depends upon who's in front of you. If you go into your annual review and you believe in your heart you've done a good job, you walk in with confidence. If you walk in and think, well, I hope this is going to make me want to be part of this company, it's going to last for a little while. But believe in thyself and love thyself. My goal is to love myself half as much as my mom loved me. I don't have to explain that. Because that's my guiding light. So this week, may I suggest that you do a couple things. I mean, seriously, you braved the temperature to come here and now you get homework. Yep. Spend some time by yourself in a quiet setting. Thinking about yourself yourself. Who and what am I? Quiet, listen. Is your life ever like that? If you're anything like me, whenever it's like that, I turn on the TV. Or When's the last time you ever rode in the car by yourself and you didn't turn on the radio? We like ambient noise, we like white noise. We don't like just being with our own thoughts many times. Who and what am I? If you're a spouse, are you rocking it? If you're a parent, are you putting all of yourself into your children? If you're a worker, are you working hard? If you're a boss, are you supporting? If you're a friend, are you there? I don't know about you, but many times I'm just trying to make it through the day. I got my list, and sometimes I lose my list. And sometimes I want to lose my list. But we got to take care of ourselves. we got to spend some time thinking about whether or not we are living a vitalized life. Vitalized means that you know who you are, and you're actually going down that path. Most of us are kind of like this. I am as well, until I realize there is a path. Ask someone who loves and cares about you, welcome some honest feedback and kudos and constructive criticism. There is a phrase that says he or she who counsels him or herself has a fool for a client. You look at yourself and say, well, I don't know, I think I'm awesome. And then, well, there are people at work that really don't like me, and then there are people in the neighborhood, well, I don't talk to some of those people, and my family, well, there are a couple of people that really have a hard problem with me and I do with them. See, there's one common denominator there. It's you. And maybe I'm contributing to the problem, or at least have tenets of myself carried into every single relationship. If you're married really well, it's a bonus. It doesn't always feel like a bonus, because sometimes they'll tell you things that you don't want to hear, and that's good. You don't go to a therapist, and the therapist says, I think you're one of the best people I've ever met Now, see me every couple of weeks and just pay me and I'll just tell you that. That's not a good therapist. Ask a good friend, ask someone that you trust and say, how am I doing? All of us, young or old, at 50, I began to know who I was. It was like waking up to myself. Maya, angelou I will read anything that she wrote. And the operative word, I began. And then also, waking up. In other words, it's a process. And this really smart person figured it out. Started to when she was 50. So some of you aren't even there. I, in that math, I'm a six-year-old, because I'm 56, so i got a ways to go. Point number two, never, ever, ever unlearn how much God loves you. I thought about all the things we could learn about God, And I actually think that all the precepts and all the commandments, all the things that we should know about the Bible are penultimate. That is second to last or first. The first is to know how much God loves you. And I think, I know for myself, sometimes I tend to forget or unlearn about how much God loves me. And when I get assailed, I lose track. So... I wrote it down. Lest we forget, God's love for us is, I got a bunch here, unconditional, unreserved, unequivocal, unlimited, unqualified, unrestricted. That's God's love for you and Jesus. I have more. Unmitigated, no ifs, ands, or buts, no strings, out and out, no fine print kind of love. If you and I believe in our heart, whatever comes our way or doesn't come our way, if a child of ours is ill or a parent is ill or dying and you and I trust and know and believe that God's love in Jesus is all of that, mark my words, if you believe anything I say, believe this wholeheartedly, if and when you and I understand God's love thusly, we will have a hope that passes all understanding. I remember my father, the pastor, reading this from the pulpit when I was a kid, and I thought, well, this is weird. If there is anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish, well, of course not. Or if a child asks for an egg, will give you a scorpion, well, that would be mean. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So the pandemic has been horrific on so many fronts, so much so I don't have to list them. However, there's always a little bit of good in the midst of a lot of bad, We sent two kids to St. Olaf this year. It was twice as bad as last year when you dropped off one and you went home with two. Now we dropped off two and went home with one. And sometime we're gonna drop off the last one, and But St. Olaf started early with the hope that they would get done before Thanksgiving, and they did. And then our two college kids came home before Thanksgiving, and then We got to go out of state where it's warm. I don't know why we live here. I mean, there's snow falling off of our roof, if you wonder where that is. We got to go together as a family. And then the month of December and the month of January, they're home, they're not away. Now, I've heard people say, and I'm not gonna judge it, I've heard people say, I can't wait till our kids leave. That is not how my wife and I roll. We think about them leaving, and it makes us sad. And so they've been quarantined with us for a couple of months, and we realize that because of the fact that they couldn't go back, we've had them, and they couldn't leave the house. They're not always happy, but we are always happy. We have to drop them off on Wednesday. I don't want to talk about it. Don't even ask me. But the point being, when I'm 85 years old or 89 years old, if I'm on my deathbed, I will talk about how wonderful it was to have our two children, who would otherwise be at college, be in our nest. Kapish? If you have children, how much do you love your children? There's nothing you won't do. If you're married, how much do you love your spouse? Your parents, same thing. Friends, and I suppose, perhaps, it's not on a gradual scale of gradiency. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But when I think about how much my wife and I love our kids and I realize that's only a portion of what Jesus loves us, I am just in awe. And then I feel so blessed. And for those of you who have been here before, you know that our first child, Jacob, was born sickly and he was in an intensive care unit. And it was the first time we've ever had a baby and then it was a sick baby and they have all these people and all these pods. It looks like close encounter of the third kind and you are so scared and we didn't know how sick he was. But frankly, it was the first time in my life when I thought about John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And if they would have said, we need something from you that will diminish your life, but give a good and great life to your son in this case, take it. And then I think, certainly in retrospect, if they needed to take me and my life so we could live, everyone who's a parent would raise your hand, but then we're also Lutheran enough to know that if someone were to stand behind us with a knife and say, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I will stab you. If you're a good Lutheran, you have in the back of your mind, I could just simply say no and then confess in church and then I would be forgiven. In other words, it's easy to talk smart. But Jesus Christ died on the cross thousands of years ago for children who will be born today. If you and I are willing to die for our own children, child. But Jesus is willing to die for everyone ever. That's almost unbelievable love. Number three, learn from and about others. You never really learn much from hearing yourself speak. Now at first I thought this was just a linear quote. In other words, Obviously, if you're speaking, you must know what you're talking about. However, have you noticed that just because people are talking doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about? And I thought long and hard about this, and I thought of a unique kind of illustration. A friend of ours, David Hackemuller, who is a retired realtor, he has helped us buy and sell six homes in our 25-year marriage. He became a dear friend of ours. He was a kind of realtor that wouldn't talk a whole lot. You see some of those realtor shows where the realtor talks a mile a minute as if here's the house, I either like it or don't, you know, talk me into it. And he would just kind of stand there and he would wait. And he was so practical that if you're gonna buy a house, I remember one time we were quibbling over $1,000 and finally Hack, we just call him Hack for Hack and Hack would say, you're having this contest over a thousand dollars, but this is how much money you're gonna spend? You like the house? Give it up. Let me know. So speaking about hearing yourself talk, we had a closing at one time, and there were three kerfuffles, there were three problems. And we had, Hack with us but the other people had a couple people and then all of a sudden they couldn't figure out this conundrum and they started talking and then they started shouting and then they started yelling and then they would ask other experts to come in the room and all of a sudden there were 20 people in this room and it was just so noisy because everyone had an idea and everyone was talking except Hack who was looking at his fingernails kind of looking for hidden dirt. And I'm thinking, dude, say something. He waits. He waits. They can't find the answers. There's a pregnant pause, and Hack says, all right, everybody. Problem number one, yes. Yes, you can do it. Problem number two, no. No, you can't. Problem number three, I think it's in chapter four or five in the big manual that guides this kind of things. Look it up. I say, we're with him. But he didn't talk all the time. But in this case, he was undoubtedly the smartest person in the room. It might not have looked like it until the end. So this week, what do you say that we listen carefully to those in our midst who know a lot about about what? Well, if you and I are busy talking, we probably won't find out what they know a lot about. You ever have a friend, pay attention this week, hopefully I'm not that friend, that you will call on the phone and by the time you get done, that person hasn't asked you one thing about your life. You almost want to send a bill. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't listen carefully to those in our midst who know a lot because you never know what somebody knows until you give them a chance. It's the how are you? I'm fine. And how are you? But I've been in enough committee meetings in all these decades of my ministry that there will be times when we'll be in a finance meeting and I know I know what these people do for a living and there's someone who has a CPA or there's someone who is an actuary and these other people balance their own checkbook and they're talking about accounting principles and I'm thinking, there's a CPA over there but usually the CPA just kind of... And finally they go, well, uh, anybody else know? Yeah. So listen carefully to those in our midst who know a lot about. Be careful to whom you listen. Not everyone who talks or writes a lot is worthy of our time, care and attention. Amen. Everybody in the world has a blog. I don't. I don't want a blog because I run out of things to say. I really don't think. I really don't think I'm that smart. But man, am I amazed at some people who write all the time. And then I'll read their stuff, and I'll go, hmm. Sometimes our kids will come up to us and they'll cite something as if it's irrefutably true. And then I'll say, well, cite your reference, and then they'll tell me something I saw it on Instagram. If you read something on Yahoo, it's, it's chances are it's not correct. But we have to be careful to whom we listen. Pay attention to those who are not like us. That is the best way for us to learn and grow. I have a vision that Republicans and Democrats will more and more talk to one another because maybe then we can understand where passions exist. How many of our conversations with people it's predominantly me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. If only they would think like us. So a little while ago, I had a conversation with a friend. And the friend and I were talking about topics, centered on one topic. And my friend said to me, I've heard on more than a few occasions in my life when someone says, you're one of the good ones. Pardon me? You're one of the good ones. I forgot to mention, my friend is black. So let me tell you this again. I'm standing there talking to my friend who's black And my friend says, more than a few times in my life, I've been told, you're one of the good ones. So, that is something because of the color of my skin, I've never heard. Because of the color of my skin, I never will. I can read a bunch of books. I can read everything I want but my friend looking at me and saying there have been a number of times in my life when I've heard you're one of the good ones and all of a sudden I learn and I grow. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Because Maya the late Maya Angelou she received 60 honorate Doctorates in her life. And she said, about the age of 59, I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. Live like you're going to die tomorrow, said Gandhi. Learn as if you're going to live forever. Because we are Christians and saved by Christ, we are going to live forever. May we continue to learn and grow about ourselves, about God, from and about others. One, two, three. One, two, three. And we might give Burke more money so he can have better magic lessons. (laughs) Have a great week. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.